Welcome back into the Fantasy Sanctuary. It is another best ball stream because it is best ball season. I'm joined by Colin Kelly of Rotoviz, co-host of Rotoviz Overtime with Sean Siegel, the man making so many other great podcasts sound smooth and crisp. Runner-up in FFPC's best ball tournament a couple of years ago, just missing out on that top prize. Colin, this feels like our time of year, this, this best ball season. How's it treating you? It's treating me good so far, and it certainly is best ball season. Uh, bittersweet that uh, second place finish, uh, so so close, but uh, uh, yeah, fun fun times. A couple of uh, two seasons ago now, so we'll see what we can do in twenty twenty three. That's where our our outlook is. But I'm really looking forward to drafting here with you today. But yeah, best ball season. Best ball is growing at a, an epic epic rate. So very exciting times in the fantasy world. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's completely crazy when you think about like right now, there's over $35 million in prizes available between sort of underdog FFPC drafters and DraftKings. So you tend to spend most of your drafts between co-drafting on underdog with your Rotoviz hosts and uh, FFPC typically, because you know, much like snakes, there's no DraftKings in Ireland. Tonight <laughs> we're going to get you into the DraftKings streets for the first time, but how do you find it flipping between the different scorings and settings with best ball? Love it, love it. One of the things that we talk about on Rotoviz over time quite a bit is you know whether it's Dynasty or best ball or redraft, whatever format you're playing, and even in DFS, it's you know, working all those different kind of muscles in your brain, you know, to work through the different uh, implications for the different scoring settings, different roster constructions and so on. So I really think that it really sharpens your skills as a drafter to play in different rooms, to play in different uh, scoring settings, so to play on different sites. And you mentioned I kind of have a a cheat code for these uh, underdog drafts, so I can sneak my way in uh, through the back door, I guess we'll say, and, and see how things play out. And then the FFPC, I, I love playing over there. As you mentioned, we've had a lot of success over on the FFPC side of things, but um, love the tight end premium format again, adding that other other wrinkle. And I know I drafted this week uh, and you were involved in, in one of the other teams, so I love getting into those challenging rooms. That's one thing that it's a little bit trickier to do, obviously with Underdog, where the a bit like DraftKings, it's, you know, fills up and that's the draft. But when you're drafting over at the FFPC kind of takes a little bit longer to fill up in those leagues, but it means that you can jump into some rooms that, you know, other people are, are getting into. And that can be feel a little bit, you know, negative EV because you know who you're <laughs> drafting against and the, the competition is going to be really strict, but uh, it also leads to fun times and again, challenging decisions to make while you're on the clock. Yeah, we've got a lot of smart people in the chat here. Shout out to Frank, shout out to Fantasy Football Garage, one of my favorite YouTube channels that's coming up. Death Angel, who's normally lurking in our drafts, and Michael Heary, who was also in the Road of His Overtime uh, Listener League that we drafted Let's on go. Sunday, Let's which go. was a super flex one, which was, yeah, a lot of fun. I'd urge everyone to go and check out the podcast that you and Sean are putting out about that draft. I definitely wasn't tilted by you guys taking out <laughs> one pick ahead of me. <laughs> we, were, we were we were drafting back to back in that, and if I'm right in that draft, you then did go tight end to you know you took Goddard, good, and, yeah. and that was somebody who we had talked a bit like we have set up a little bit of a draft board here for ourselves tonight to kind of be on a similar page. Myself and Sean talked about the possibility of getting a real value on Goddard potentially in the next round of the round after was our our pre draft conversations and. Luckily, we took Pitts because if we didn't, you would have took him and uh, Goddard was gone then as well because you did take him. Shout out to Frank Duffy, who you mentioned there. Uh, we are, this is a plug as well for the, the expo coming up here over in London in a couple of weeks' time that I'll be attending. I'll be doing a baseball panel with Tom. So really looking forward to that. But I got to meet up with Frank when I was out at the FF Expo out in Canton last year and uh, actually did the Hall of Fame tour with uh, with Frank <laughs> while he was drafting some baseball teams over at the FFPC, we were we were talking through some decisions. So I do think, Frank, uh, if he remembers back, I was correct on the Zach Ertz not being the tight end to draft last year. <laughs> well, last year's draft board compared to this year, I mean, it feels very different. And you're a man who definitely has a taste for zero RB drafts. But this year, you know, we're seeing the running back landscapes change so much. How are you feeling as somebody who is kind of drawn to those wide receiver heavy starts quite often? Are you still drafting zero RB or are you just finding the running back values too good to pass up at the minute? I think the key as well, I guess, with zero RB is when we look at the strategy in general, obviously the conversation is not usually taking a, a running back in those opening four rounds, but it's also paired with the philosophies and the strategies of what you need to do 
to kind of maximize that team, not just what you do in the first couple of picks. So I guess this year, the, the principles are all still in play. But the part I think is interesting with a lot of the drafts that I've done this year in baseball is if you think of a hero RB build, usually you're looking at that running back in the first round or the second round. I do think this year in that third round and second round range, there is a lot of uh, running back options that are really interesting and hard to pass up the likes of Jonathan Taylor, even Saquon Barkley. And then I really like Ramondre Stevenson and Brees Hall. So I kind of am in a lot of drafts tempted by those guys at the wide receivers I'm looking at aren't there. So, for example, like I'm more looking if I can get through those opening six rounds and have at least four wide receivers and possibly having five if there's one running back in there. I think that, that's the way to play it. I do think that people are becoming smarter drafters every year. And because, again, people have always said that your RB hasn't won any major contests. You know, it doesn't work on the grand scheme. Then last year we see it underdog. Not not exactly as your RB winning the final weeks of the tournament, but King Cap had the team that won the regular season as your RB team. So there's a lot of people now buying into those philosophies. And even people for years that I have interacted with on Twitter that are in the industry that have been very much take your running backs early. You can even see those those people. Can, and that's, again, there's success, but there's also, you know, information being shared more and more, whether it's Twitter, whether it's in articles, and we're seeing different pieces kind of change the, I guess, zeitgeist to the fantasy football space. But Sean has talked very heavily on Road of His Overtime this year that there's always changes. And in the past, when people have gone to the, wide receiver heavy side of things wide receiver kind of crashed and we could see something similar happen this year i hope it doesn't but you know there could be a big swing again if if it was a case this year that the first round wide receivers get injured for example and don't perform say justin jefferson jamar chase boss this year with injuries for example well then you're into a situation where people are saying wide receivers in the first round don't work the win rate for wide receivers in the first round are terrible and it kind of will circle around so um all the same principles still in play and really then you're also targeting all the same profiles that we like to draft those young players who are ascending again when we look at the draft boards from last year the players you're looking to be getting now this year are the players that are going to be in those first three rounds in 2024 you want to be getting those guys in the you know sixth seventh eighth rounds now where they're pushed up the likes of Mondry Stevenson even you know for example last year we had Jalen Hurts with the big breakout season you know you're kind of looking at those potential options and I think that's the key is using the core concepts of zero RB, but I definitely still think full on zero RB rosters can be drafted. That draft we talked about in the Superflex draft, um, the last six rounds, we drafted five running backs and that. So there's going to be running back targets there, but there's some interesting options in the kind of, I would say, top four rounds this year. Yeah, definitely. And if you're here, check out in the comments. There's a link to a video on Hero RB I did recently. It's 15 minutes long, goes into loads of different strategy talk on it and about how we can look to take some of those characteristics of Hero RB and just flip it and build slightly differently. We've got Olaf I, I do in think, the chat. To, to interrupt you, I do think that's some of the stuff. When people hear names, for example, or people hear a strategy named Zero RB, Hero RB, it's the concept of what you're doing. That anchor, yeah. I think, and that's where I think rather than hero, anchor still makes more sense. Hero caught on, but I think anchor makes more sense because that anchor running back is basically your first start and running back, and that can be in you know, any round, but realistically, yeah. <laughs> if it's in the 10th round, it probably isn't an anchor. Yeah. So we've got Olaf Fope here saying he loves the show. We love you for being here. We've got Phil back as normal. Looking forward to another episode. And we've got Rich in the chat. We're going to dive into a draft in just a couple of minutes. But before we do, I mentioned it at the top. You edit a lot of podcasts for a variety of different fantasy platforms. Do you ever feel like you hear too many different opinions on different players? Do you feel like, because I know for some fantasy players, like we're at such a point where there's so many fantastic podcasts and streams out there that it's easy to feel a little overwhelmed sometimes. Do you ever feel like you need to streamline whose opinions you're really just letting steer you on players? You could get me into trouble uh, with the questions you're asking here, but uh, in terms of, like, I got into podcasting because I pretty much became a podcast addict. So, you know, there was no NFL coverage really then with the UK games. It all started to grow. There was more and more, and now there's more than ever. But back in the day, like I remember, you know, the Ross Tucker podcast was one of my first big go-tos back in the day, you know, and I, I binged and binged and binged 
what happened then is like you're saying it got to a point where i was just listening to every fantasy podcast i got it's hard to imagine that you know 10 years ago there wasn't as many fantasy podcasts as there is now uh so obviously there was a less and then when it grew and grew and grew it, you couldn't keep up with everything so what i have done over the like probably the last four or five years is i pick the things basically that i'm doing like i, I i'll be honest i listened to stealing bananas from ben gretz and sean siegel i listened to a lot of peter Overset and pat korean stuff but again it's kind of and i'm not saying this to be in a bubble it's a lot of the same stuff that i'm doing with the rotoviz a lot of the same community people who have come from that background and when i'm listening to other stuff i will pick up on bits and pieces but a lot of it when i'm doing it for the work purposes is for the audio level the audio quality rather than trying to take each and every i don't have a notebook with me for the notes as i'm doing it so uh very much have tried to pare back the amount of stuff that i am consuming to you know keep the things up with what your own thoughts are and and not let it kind of get mixed up too much and um, so that that would be my thing it's the same on twitter i find it very easy if there's something that i don't agree with the scroll past it. i don't have to get into an argument so it's kind of you know consume what you have to consume but not for content wise i'm very much um gonna set my own lane okay so we're gonna jump into a draft in just a minute but before we do 85% of the people watching this channel in the last 28 days have not subscribed. We are getting oh so close to 850. And when we get there, one subscriber is going to co-draft a $35 FFPC Best Ball Superflex team with me. All you need to do, hit that subscribe button below, DM us a screenshot on Twitter, and you'll be entered into it. And we are closing in fast, 40 away from it. And I know that we're going to get another 10 at least here tonight. So, Colin, we'll... Add, we'll jump into the DraftKings uh, and just the lobby and hit enter, see where we get with that. So we've got five or 12, so seven spaces if you're in the chat and waiting to jump in with us. Colm, I don't know how much you know about this contest, um, but it is $1 million to first. Basically, it's got quite a good payout structure in terms of uh let me see are we splitting it here if we win are we splitting it 50, oh, of course, of course. straight down the middle you can buy you can buy <laughs> me a pint of guinness at the uh, uk ffc so we're going to be picking seventh but let me just jump back over there so i've got here you can, it's one million up top but if you finish inside the top 10 it's 100k or more if you finish inside the top 100 it's 10k or more but the file for this contest is 1,400 people. So I know that's much Not larger bad. than uh, over on Underdog, which is 400 people. Uh, on FFPC, they're much smaller finals. So, yeah, we're going to be trying to beat 1,400 people to win in Week 17. Do you think that really just pushes the kind of Week 17 correlation stuff? I think it does. Obviously, you still have to get there, but um, it really makes that important the other part that you know you might even need to get a little bit weirder with your stacks and correlations because you're into week 17 and you know people are going to have the we may draft these players but you know joe burrow jamar chase stacks for example aren't going to be the the difference maker unless something happens that your team progresses and a lot of them teams have got knocked out in week 16 which can happen but it's probably not going to be the way so it's a case i think of know maybe having the wide receiver tree with the quarterback if it's an elite quarterback you know adding in those additional side pieces you know yeah. the likes of a tyler boyd and that sort of an instance so it, it, i think you have to be quite unique and it'll be interesting because even being unique maybe that the team doesn't have stacks that, yeah, like so that, you can galaxy brain it but that could be a case that you know to pull around yeah, last year's team that when it was a hero RB build with Christian McCaffrey, and then they took no other running backs until Kenneth Gainwell. They had four QBs total. They had a Russell Wilson uh, skinny stack where I think it was Jerry Judy. Then they had four Eagles players, but no Jalen Hurts. And it was they had Jordan Love who gave them zeros all season practically. It was. It was a very weird team that then took advantage of correlation. I believe if the Buffalo and Bengals game had actually finished, they possibly wouldn't have won that. But So we're going to be picking at seventh. Uh, let us know if you're in the chat and you're also in this draft. Recognize a few people. We've got Deft Angel picking one pick behind us. Michael Heary, who does some great data visualization stuff with established the run, picking at 12. I'm sure he's picked at 12 on every single one of the drafts we've done together. So... I've got the Spike Week tools here. You can kind of see my exposures to these players. 
Uh, and with us picking at seven, who stands out to you, Colm, in this first round? Well, I'm just pulling up my ADP here as we're setting and I'm getting it on the screen so I can, can see what we're doing here. So we are in a situation, this is a tricky area of the draft once those top guys are gone. I'm kind of not as in on the veteran wide receivers this year. Um, so at this point, and I know you kind of mentioned that you're a little bit out in Austin Eckler, but I might be in the C.D. Lamb territory here. I don't know how far down you want to go, though. He yeah, may I'd be fine time. jumping down as far as C.D. Lamb if you want to do him ahead of Austin Eckler. Yeah, let's do Lamb just for the fun of it here. Okay, and of course, DraftKings have their new draft board, which they built especially so that Colin would be used to a draft board when we got these, <laughs> which is making life a little bit easier. And I do think there's something in taking CeeDee Lamb at a position like this because it gets so easy to end up in just pick 10, 11, 12, taking CeeDee Lamb and then putting him with Vaymon Rasen Brown for that kind of week 17 correlation. And after a while, you just feel like a lot of your builds end up being the same. Like last year, I remember a point where I had a lot of Christian McCaffrey T. Higgins starts when I was starting from the 101, and you hit a point where you just feel like you have to diversify. So at least from here, it potentially gives us a chance to fall onto some other players. See Bijan Robinson going at the 111. There was a point where he was creeping up as high as the 1.6 when DraftKings opened uh, not long after the draft, but he's kind of pushed back behind Austin Eckler now. Um, are you are you drafting a lot of Bijan Robinson? I find myself I just can't stop. I haven't had many late round draft slots this year. I've been fortunate enough they've kind of been in that top eight, so it's a case that at the ADP I have other players like CD Lamb, as you've seen there, that I, I'm willing to take. Um, I find it'll be interesting here now. Like, see the likes of Amon Ross and Brown, Michael's taking in there, and Waddle. Those are two yeah. players, you know, I'd be kind of hoping that we'll be coming back in this round, which makes it interesting. We could potentially be getting into that conversation um, in a second around some of the running back options, but I, I think we might be leading into... It's always complicated when you don't know if people are listening. I, I'm on this pick between Wilson and Taylor, and I'd probably lean Taylor in this selection. Uh, I'll let you make the call as to which one you want to go. So, yeah, so Devon Adams went to pick ahead of us to Deft Angel, who was in the chat earlier. I don't know if he's still there. I haven't found myself taking a lot of Jonathan Taylor. I'm at like 6% on both Wilson and Taylor. I'm happy enough to just take Jonathan Taylor here and kind of call him our, you know, anchor RB and then see. Well, if you we want, if you there. want, if you're not taking much of Mal going and say it here, I think Jonathan Taylor's ADP is ludicrous. I think it's insane, and I think it's completely wrong. And he has gone in this draft as the running back six, are we at? Yep. Yep, so running back six. When, like, why is Jonathan Taylor going behind Derrick Henry? You know, why? He really should be in the at minimum in the back end of that first round. Yeah, I've, I think typically I've seen Derrick Henry go towards the back half of round two rather than the front half of round two. Yeah. And typically, Jonathan Taylor, he's, yeah, sometimes creeping ahead of Saquon, sometimes after Saquon. But I'm very, do... I'm very interested in Bijan. But basically, what Bijan Robinson could be this year is what Jonathan Taylor already has shown us that he is. And he's also, I would say, probably going to be in a well, actually, I was about to say in a better offense, I'm quite enthusiastic about Atlanta, so we'll talk more about Atlanta probably as we go through it. But I do think that, you know, he is the best running back to come into the NFL over the last probably, you know, since he was drafted. Anyway, I, I would say Christian McCaffrey is still better than him. But, you know, in terms of why, why are we looking at him in the mid-second, I just think that's a little bit... I think the main reason that I hear from people is the pass catching concern, which is real with dual threats. I think, you know, you can definitely see a world where he already didn't have the highest ceiling in the passing game. But for me, I look back at his red zone efficiency numbers and he's never been terribly efficient in the red zone. But he's and also played in an offense that the quarterbacks have been abysmal that's, and that's what I was gonna say, like, the ball. The upside case is definitely that he becomes more efficient because Anthony Richardson makes life 
much easier for him like that. Um, so we've got a couple of questions in the chat that we'll get to in a minute, but we're three picks away, two picks away. Ramondre Stevenson, Mark Andrews, Brees Hall, Calvin Ridley, Lamar Jackson, Travis Etienne, and Debo Samuel. I know you're kind of out on Calvin Ridley at cost. He's somebody I've taken a bit of, but not huge amounts. Anybody standing out for you? I really like both running back options here. I know you're a Ravens fan, so if you want to pitch in for Mark Andrews and get an elite tight end, but I, I like Hall here, and uh, the other running back has just gone off the board. That was Stevenson. So the conversation we were having a moment ago and taking Taylor, I don't really want to have two running backs here, but I'm, I, I could go two running backs here, and then running backs are not going to be seen for a long time here, Tom. Yeah, I think, well... Joe Burrow goes there in a bit of an unexpected move. Uh, I'm quite happy that I will definitely be getting my Ravens exposure in in plenty okay. of other drafts this season. And I think Brees Hall's one of the clearest players who's going to increase in value between now and sort of September. So I, I, I think I think he's going to be the kind of version of Saquon Barkley last year. This time last year, you know, Saquon Barkley much, yeah. was going a lot later, kept pushing up and pushing up draft boards. So, um, so I think we'll be holding off on on running back, but like. Uh, yeah, the, the upside of both of those guys, I think, is, is huge. Yeah, uh, so we've got a question from Phil here in the chat who's picking at number five. I never know whether to lean Cup or Hill there, so tend to just mix it up. Who do you guys prefer? And then he did get Stevenson and Chubb, two running backs that I've been drafting plenty of. I've kind of leant towards Cup because I feel like his ceiling really is the wide receiver one overall. Last year, even when things were terrible with the Rams, he was the wide receiver two in points per game. Uh, and I've, I'm kind of at a point now where I'm trying to adjust slightly because I feel like I have slightly too much Cooper Cup at like 25% exposure. How about you, Colm? Is there one of them you've been more drawn to? I mentioned in a comment, and people might have been wondering, the veteran wide receivers in the first round, you know, the likes of Cup, Hill, uh, Diggs, Devontae Adams, those kind of players in that range, I'm kind of out on those guys. Not completely, but at the ADPs, you know, I, I would much rather have the younger guys like, you know, Lamb Brown, uh, St. Brown Waddle. Waddle, though, like, for example, as much as I like him, him going at the 2-1 and Hill going at the 1-6, I think, like, that's still both, like, I would rather Waddle be in the third round, you know, and then I would take Waddle every yeah. day, if that makes sense. I would lean Hill out of the two of them. Uh, I just have quite a bit of concern around Matthew Stafford and, you know, quarterbacks yeah. used to fall off cliffs at, at the end of their career, and now we're in a situation, I know we're on the clock, so... I'm yeah. happy to go with either TJ Hawkinson or Jerry Judy here. Which one do you want? Let's go with let's go with TJ Hawkinson. I haven't drafted him at all, and I, you know he was somebody I really liked last season, so I'm completely fine with. That. I think as long as we get to five wide receivers by round ten, things are kind of fine on DraftKings. You know, it's you know the way that players earn bonuses over here, you can make up some of that uh, difference. Uh, so. Just gonna scroll with, back with Hawkinson too. I, I would have uh, like I'm happy with Hawkinson. Would be very interested in Judy in that range again. Basically, what you're talking about it would have been two and two then. But I, it is a case that in these next kind of three picks, we would have wanted to go tight end. I would have been looking for a pitcher of Goddard. So for Hawkinson to be there and it to be a one v one with him and Judy, I think that's a fair move to make. But the the veteran players, I think, are just a little bit overvalued this year. Like Amari Cooper at the three twelve, I, I think is a, a price that i wouldn't want to pay uh, i do understand that like hopkins could have a good landing spot could be with the chiefs or the bills would be you know these big you know explosions that people are hoping to have yeah but at the a free agent at the four nine is a little bit tricky for me christian kirk and you mentioned um calvin ridley but like you know christian kirk calvin ridley are going within those picks i i, I love trevor lawrence but i don't know He's supporting both of them. Ridley missed the last season that he played a large chunk through injury. Then he missed all the last season. You know, there's a lot of things happening in that offense that are hard to call. But uh, the veteran wide receivers, I think I would rank them Tyreek Hill, then Cooper Cup, then Diggs, then Adams. Um, but yeah, yeah. Like, like the ascending younger players, is kind of what people will notice here as we draft this team. So we're a couple of picks away, but shout out to Chris, who drafted from four spots or username when the draft died. Jump straight on the stream to find us. Make sure you're not you're subscribed already if you're not. Uh, so we'll be coming back up. And yeah, like you say, we've kind of gone with an anchor wide receiver approach here, which is it's definitely pushing the sort of boundaries of how many wide receivers I'd want through four rounds. So it's kind of feels like we've got to be looking at wide receiver here. 
Um, Christian Watson, Chris Godwin, Marquise Brown, and then you kind of get down to Kadarius Tony at pick 64 onwards, which feels like, yeah. So we've got Chris Godwin or Marquise Brown of the next up on ADP. Chris Godwin. Yeah, no, that's, no doubt, no doubt in my mind. That's absolutely fine by me. I think he's somebody that it's very easy to imagine, even with Baker Mayfield, Chris Godwin being fantasy relevant and it probably being more difficult for Mike Evans. Uh, Michael in the chat has a question. It'd be interesting you guys take on Olave. I can never get him due to my usual drafting spot at the back, and he's one I really wish I was able to get more. I find I've barely drafted any Olave because, yeah, I've had a lot of picks in the mid range and I've had. A few pick, quite a few picks lately at the back, so I really haven't ended up with him. What about yourself, Colm? There's some players, and we just drafted Chris Godwin, but there's some players, even a Drake London, like the players that went in that last run, Christian Watson, Drake London, Chris Godwin. I do think that there's players significantly discounted based on who their quarterback is. I think if we had a better quarterback, you know, there's and Derek Carr is sufficient, but I think there's question marks around who his quarterback is. Alavi had a great rookie season, and I think he's going to step forward. Most players take that leap from year one to year two. They look, you look at uh, Gareth, Gareth Wilson. You know he now has Aaron Rodgers, so there's less quarterback questions. But is Rodgers able to do what he did two years ago? We'll find out very soon. But I, I love Alavi, um, and you know, in terms of what I'm talking about. Adams and, and some of those other veterans, I would have Olave right in that tier. And because of his age, I'd probably n- start nudging him a little bit forward um, ahead of that. Like, we're looking at quarterback, and I know he's the quarterback for Devontae Adams last year, but would you rather have Garoppolo or Carr? I think that's pretty close. And then that both of those guys are playing with them this year. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I like Olave. So we're about to be back up here, and if we wanted to carry on pushing wide receiver and try to pull that a bit, it's Tyler Lockett, Brandon Ayuk, Mike Evans. I haven't drafted very much Brandon Ayuk a year after drafting horrendous amounts of him, believing that him and Trey Lance were exactly what you needed. Is he is he somebody you'd like to go with here? I mean, I can filter down the wide receivers so we can see that it's... you know, How interested are you in, like, going with that ugly route there that you mentioned a minute ago with Baker Mayfield later on and, and stacking up the Buccaneers here? I think I can definitely be persuaded that that's the route to go because I think there is definitely even if it's even if we didn't end up with one of the quarterbacks from the Buccaneers and we just take you know, we've got Chris Godwin and Mike Evans that could be an awful lot of points in this format where you get bonuses for 100 yards, you get bonuses for catches. So I, I would expect that offense to be extremely condensed. Yeah, and I think when you look at the options that we have, it's I don't feel like Brandon Ayuk is necessarily a better wide receiver than Mike Evans. I think it's kind of like you know a bet on talent decision. We've got a couple of pure zero RB teams in here at both the beginning and the end of this draft, uh, picks one and 12. Any of those would really stand out as builds which you really like, Cole? Well, I did mention uh, earlier, I don't like Amari Cooper and I'm not drafting Amari Cooper. Like He's a player that I would expect Look, this could come back and bite me. Zero zero percent exposure. I, I did a video last year on being completely out in Amari Cooper and there was some weeks where that looked like a terrible decision and there was some weeks where it looked like he didn't know how to play football anymore so there's uh you know a balance between it but i'm on ra jalen waddle jackson deontay johnson and then kyle pitts love everything else about it um if we were looking at that roster i'm just looking at the other options even if it was a keenan allen um would be all aboard that team the jefferson olave Devontae smith i'm not as in on mike williams this year um as i have in previous years it just hasn't been he hasn't been able to put it together, I'd say, that kind of one stretch uh, two seasons ago. But he has stacked him up with Herbert. I'm also not as sold on Herbert as as a lot of people are than James Conner and Addison. So it's an interesting team. And I'm always interested to see when these teams start out, how they start and then how they finish up. Because I do think this is the point where you could have a nice zero RB start. And I think people can lose the run of the draft, you know, and panic a little bit on how to get their running backs and things. So we'll see yeah. how it plays out. Yeah, so we're a couple of picks away. Uh, in the chat, Rich has asked, with two RBs this early, how many RBs would you traditionally be looking to roster? On DraftKings, because it's 20 picks overall, I think 
you know, typically I'm looking at five. Uh, you can push four if you end up with a couple more around rounds eight to ten. But we're back on and trail on Burks, Gabe Davis, uh, the top wide receivers, Brandon Cooks. If Dotson for me is the pick that. here, but Dotson. Dotson. You have that, yeah. Yeah, completely fine with that one. Um, like, then- like Burks as well and like uh, I've loved Gabe Davis in the past, but again, it just hasn't hasn't worked out at the moment so uh you know it's a little bit tricky um there's only so much you can like have full belief in the talent and i still have belief in the talent but it it just you know there's too many signs and if we kind of take that little playoff stretch out of it you know the game against the chiefs there hasn't been as much to get excited about over you know over the last couple of years for him yeah i think i think he's somebody who could climb around or so if DeAndre Hopkins signs elsewhere. I think there's still a little bit of worry in some people. I think if, if Hopkins signs there, that that ADP just will plummet. Oh, exactly. It goes one way or the other, doesn't it? And, and we'll see that. No matter where he signs and probably similar with Dalvin Cook, wherever he's I think we're going to see uh, whoever the players are there have a, a crater in their ADP. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in terms of our draft now, you know, we're through seven rounds. We've got C.D. Lamb, Jonathan Taylor, Brees Hall, T.J. Hawkinson, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Jahan Dotson. So even after we only had one wide receiver through four rounds, it still feels pretty healthy by this point in the draft. Do you feel comfortable with where we're at? I feel comfortable now. I also want to get them three wide receivers in a, in a row. But that was always my intention, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it is a case of kind of knowing something that I mentioned a lot in podcasts is like drafting from back to front. So being a case that you know what players are going to be available a couple of rounds ahead. And if you, you know, have two running backs early, how do you balance out which players are going to be available in the ninth, tenth round? Because that's usually where you're looking at the zero RB candidates. So are you moving on now to find wide receivers in there? Can you find a quarterback in there? You kind of just need to know how things will pair together. So yeah, I, I'm comfortable. And the question um that was asked there i think we're in four potentially five at the running back position but again if we get into those later rounds and there's some interesting you know high upside running backs available i think you know you could potentially add in one more but i, I think five the, the more you invest early the less usually that you'll have in the on the roster yeah, so we're one pick away now at the top of things. It's Isaiah Pacheco, Evan Ingram, a couple of quarterbacks there. Then you got like Mike Thomas, Javante uh, Williams. Uh, so I'd lean towards Dak here for the stack. Is that is that something you'd be happy with, Colm? <sighs> Do I sound like I want it? My yeah, pick here, if we want to go all out on wide receivers, would be Elijah Moore. Well, let's do that, and then perhaps something okay will come back to us. I've been taking a bit of Elijah Moore lately, and even though I listened to a podcast recently where Pat Corain said perhaps Elijah Moore just isn't good, the upside case of him in this format where he could be catching seven balls or so in a game and giving you real explosive weeks is something that I'm happy to bet on. It gives us a little week 17 correlation with the Jets who play in Cleveland then and perhaps that's an ugly game and there's a lot of short line of close to the line of scrimmage passes. Um I, I, I joked a lot last year about some of the week 17 games that we had you know been drafting a lot of players. We drafted a lot of Lions, Seahawks, Jets and those games all those teams turned out to be a lot better than people were expecting. So we'll see I have a lot of concerns about Deshaun Watson, both on and off the pitch, I guess. <laughs> but um, I think it could be interesting. I mentioned the Cooper case. You know, I'm I'm going to be drafting a lot of Elijah Moore this year. Um, he he may just not be good, but I also think there's a lot of untapped potential there. Last year was just train wreck from whatever happened. Um, came yeah. on a little bit down the stretch, so I think Elijah Moore is very interesting. Um, uh, how do you feel about Dak Prescott? I'm just not as enthusiastic about the upside of Prescott in terms of when I'm looking at a lot of these players, I'm trying to see if you're buying in at some of these prices, I'm thinking which of these guys is going in the top five rounds next year? Who is taking Lamar Jackson's spot? Who's taking Joe Burrow's spot? Who is up in that range? And I just don't know if, I I think we know what Dak Prescott is very good. No, I'll say good, but not going to jump into that elite tier at any point. No, but I think at this point in the draft, we're kind of past that elite tier. I mean, you know, we've gone past Sean Watson. We've gone past Anthony Richardson. We haven't got to make... Baker Mayfield yet. 
<laughs> but okay, so Dak does go a few picks before us, uh, goes unstacked to the team at pick two. I thought it was interesting as well. The drafter in spot two took Higgins and Chase, but paired him with Josh Allen. Yeah, um, well, I mean, that's week 17 correlation, yeah, so it, it is, that's what the, you need. <laughs> it could be, but the likelihood is that you want them you know, paired together. Yeah. Um, so, so go ahead. We're one pick away. Um, and then I guess if we did want to go quarterback, we could take Kirk Cousins to stack him with TJ Hawkinson, or there's Brian Robinson, David and Joku, Zay Flowers, Alan Lazard, if you want to build out that week 17 correlation a bit more. Or what are you feeling, Colm? If you want, I'll go with Cousins here. Well, let's go with Cousins because I feel like it's. I'm never. We'll go with Cousins. I'm never excited about Cousins. And when I was comparing which player I thought basically Dak Prescott was, and I'm sorry to the Cowboys fans out there, but when I'm thinking about who, you know, who that quarterback is, it's Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is similar to what Andy Dalton was, you know, good NFL quarterback, but never going to be at that elite tier. And I would rather, this is what I often do in those situations when you make a decision where you pass on Dak Prescott, for example, there is when you, I would rather have Elijah Moore and Kirk Cousins than Dak Prescott and the other available options, because at that point it did become extremely flat and there was not many exciting options to draft. So out of the quarterbacks that went there, Daniel Jones is somebody who I'm interested in this year and Tua, but I, 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 um, I, I always like to have a quarterback and ideally two quarterbacks in the quarterback window, but with how we set this up, I think we go with Cousins and probably hold all the way off to Mayfield. I can't see anyone else wanting to, to draft him based on how we've set up this team, but how do you feel? Would you have went uh, Prescott over Moore there? I think I possibly would have gone Prescott over Moore thinking that I might have got one of Rashad Bateman or Zay Flowers there, and that's just because it's it's an area where I've taken a lot of wide receivers kind of like in that range, try to get that last wide receiver before round 10 to sort of like hit hit five total or so, which is something that like I went through the teams that made the finals last year on DraftKings and over 50% of them all had five wide receivers by round 10. I just think it's like a bare minimum here. And, you know, I don't, you know I'll break that rule if things feel right. But yeah, I would have taken Daniel Jones um, and then looked to backdoor stack him quite happily as the draft went on. Um, but like you say, I'm quite happy with what worked out. I think I get the point about never being too excited about Kirk Cousins, um, but I think there's a chance that Vikings are a bit more pass heavy this year. I really like Jordan Addison, obviously love Justin Jefferson. And I think there's weeks where Kirk Cousins can be pulled into slightly bigger games. And because we get three points from 300-yard passing games on DraftKings, he just feels like the kind of quarterback who could pick up five or six of them a season, which will really bolster his scores. Um, we're two picks away. We've got two running backs so far in Jonathan Taylor and Brees Hall. In terms of running backs near the top of ADP, it's Brian Robinson, it's Jamal Williams. Uh, sorry, oh, it's Jameson Williams even, so not a running back. Um, Rashad Penny a little bit lower than Jamal Williams of the Saints. Do you want to look at running back or do you want to keep going with wide receiver? What, what I'm interested in here is hoping to see one player get back to it. So ideally, I would like to come away with here with either Jameson Williams, A. Jones and Penny. I would like to get two of those in the next two picks. So I'm good with either Jones or Williams, whichever one you want to take the risk on at wide receiver. Let's take Jameson. And that, that, that works for the stack. Jameson works for the stack. You had I went say. Zay Jones because I've seen – sorry, I was going to say I've seen Jameson Williams drop a lot lately. Okay. And I, I was going to say uh, that would have worked with the Cowboys week 17, but it, again, we didn't take Dak Prescott, so it's not as important. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, we can look at other ways to get – access to that game maybe but so now we're at a one two six one build which definitely feels like we're quite healthy um and it feels like this this point in the draft where it turns to you know there's plenty of running backs there's plenty of tight ends in this area and there's some okay quarterbacks who are around um it's definitely not an area of the draft that i dislike but while you hear people if you haven't subscribed already that button it's right down just below click it like the subscribe button Click it. We'll be at 850 before you know it. 
We are definitely going to hit 1,000 before training camp starts. The sooner we get to 1,000, the sooner I'll stop whinging about it. Uh, calm. So any other drafts that particularly stand out here? We've got no teams that have gone too kind of crazy at quarterback. Sometimes on DraftKings we do see... Looking team. just at, at kind of unusual stuff, uh, Team 10 has, so far I can just see five running backs. Two yeah, 1-5-3-1. Which is uh, definitely. So I think like uh, a board like that could be challenging. Like uh, you know, there's good. They've dra- dra- drafted solid running backs, but I think they're you know going to be leveraged at the position at wide receiver. Um, there's a couple of teams who have gone quite heavy at running back. I think that could be challenging. There's a couple of teams who the Dak Prescott team, for example, they have uh, Prescott and Josh Allen. So there's a lot invested yeah. in quarterback position. So again, it's trying to find that balance at all the positions. So I I do think there's and I I think. For example, the team drafting next to us, Daft Angel, you know, they've balanced it out pretty well. It's a Geno Smith team now, but if you can scroll up, uh, Tom, I think they have one, two, three, four. Pure anchor. They have six. Yeah. yeah. You know, they have a lot of interesting players in there. Um, not all players that I'm, you know, looking to target this season. Um, some, and again, I'm not age bias, but, you know, there's, the trajectory on the older players tends to, tail off at this point yeah so we're not we're not going to get the guy i wanted in penny here we're not going to get back. either of the guys you wanted so we're back on aaron Rodgers is top of adp then we've got jamal williams russell wilson khalil herbert jacoby myers jacozio mcconquo adam Thielen, rashi rice kj osborne anybody in particular this Cole? isn't a very appetizing spot um, no. i'm interested in uh cole Komet potentially a tight end um Anyone else interest you? Khalil Herbert's another name if you want to go running back. But yeah, I, let's take Cole Komet. He's not somebody I draft a lot of. And yeah. I, um, do you feel like um, with Cole Komet and TJ Hawkinson, oh, they've got both got bye weeks in week thirteen, so we probably have to look for a third tight end. Do you feel I, I was com- I was probably going to look for a third tight end anyway. Um, in terms of the onesie positions, do you prefer three tight ends compared to three quarterbacks, typically? I would, yeah. Yeah, I think that's And kinda... I do think, I know we talked about this team, but um, it could be something that really comes back and bites you, you know, four weeks into the season if Kyle Trask is the starting quarterback for the the Buccaneers. But I, I do think this is a two-quarterback build if you got, based on, you know, it's a team that's going to live and, and die by that Buccaneers stack. So uh, are you co- are you comfortable for the two? like I'm thinking three tight end two quarter back build for this? I'm completely fine with that because I think we kind of have to trust a little bit that Kirk Cousins is going to carry us for a vast majority of it, and the wide receivers Godwin and Evans will pop up with their big spike weeks and stuff. I think if we lost out on Mayfield, there's other stacks that we could probably add in that might just give us a little bit of a kind of get out of jail free but for now yeah i'm completely fine pushing that um and when it comes to the tight end you know if you're planning on only drafting two obviously you don't want them to be the same bye weeks and you know things like injuries can cause chaos if that happens in your third tight ends injury but i I tend to have quite a few tight ends in the kind of 11 through 16 round range that i do like so i i think based on having those two early running backs that's basically in my mind going to give us an extra additional spot at uh, what uh, tight end to, to play in there as well? Yeah, I think I mean you can talk like two five sort of what two five ten three or so if we wanted to go up as high as ten wide receivers to make up for the fact that we didn't. Uh, ten wide receivers is definitely viable on this format. So we're one pick away now. Deft Angel, he's got a one two seven one, so it wouldn't be surprising if he did take a running back here ahead of us. Uh, uh, the players that I would be interested in are. Both Chicago running backs uh, are of interest to me here. One of them does go. The other one is Sky Moore and Rishi Rice. And I've been drafting more Sky Moore than Rice. If that was the way you wanted to to go at wide receiver, yeah, I haven't drafted any Rishi Rice. Uh, I could definitely go there. I mean, Aaron Rodgers does get a little bit interesting because he's thirty picks past his ADP now. Would you prefer Sky Moore over Rodgers? Yeah, let's do it. Do you, as a former, as a you know, a Green Bay Packers fan, Colm, how are you feeling about Aaron Rodgers now that he's left you? Um, I'm 
relieved kind of that it's over like disappointed that he hasn't retired as a packer but you know we understand it's a business and you know he wanted to play on the team have done i think what you know is it a bandage maybe they should have took off in hindsight a season ago two seasons ago i'm a massive Aaron Rodgers fan i'm a defender of Aaron Rodgers. uh people that listen to the podcast often <laughs> will dm me stuff like have you seen what you know this idiot has said and, and i often defend it being like you think what he's saying sounds bad because you know you see you're, you're wanting a different side of the story so uh yeah i love Aaron Rodgers. best uh best packer that i've ever watched favorite player uh, of all time so you won't hear me saying too many bad things and i actually hope he does well with with the jets because i'm a big guard wilson and Breeze hall <laughs> stand when it comes to fantasy. so uh, we'll see what happens but yeah just it's one of those kind of the relationship had kind of fizzled out and the yeah. separation had to take place and I think definitely as a fan, you get to that point, like, you know, I definitely had points with Lamar Jackson saga where it was like, well, you know, if things are just going to get uglier and uglier, you'd rather it was just done and whatever. The only happened, thing with happened. Jackson is Jackson's still at the fresh end of his career. Like the Rogers thing, it was either a case like, you know, he would retire, had to be traded or had to play. And then it was just much more awkward because they have Jordan Love and, you know, he sat and sat and sat and sat. So it makes it just a, a tricky situation where that had to happen. Uh, unless you want Huntley to to be the lead guy, <laughs> I do not want Pro Bowl Tyler Huntley to be on the field at any point. He's a good player, but I think we've seen his limitations. Um, so we're a couple of picks away from it being us, and yeah, team ahead of us with a three-three-five-one build. Wouldn't be surprised if they went tight end here or possibly running back. Um, I, I've I've highlighted a lot of the players that I thought we should draft. You you had me up here with some of the names that, that you like in this range. Uh, I quite like, well, I could definitely draft Sam Laporta, which gives us a little week 17 correlation and just be done at tight end. Tank Bigsby, somebody who I've drafted a bit of. Um, you don't have to tell me any other players. Tank Bigsby? No, 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 no. Sam Laporta. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Laporta is. Uh, I noticed that you uh low on Tyler Higby this year. Do you think that that's something that, because, I mean, last year, he definitely wasn't a pretty player to have on your team and people point towards, oh, well, he finished like close to being a tight end one in total points. But we know that that was pretty dreadful for the most part. And it was just simply because he was healthy at times, really. Do you have any faith that Tyler Higby could be fantasy viable this year or are you just kind of out on him because you're out on the Rams in general? It's kind of a case that I'm, I'm not completely out on the Rams with my enthusiasm just isn't as high for them. Um you know, I mentioned earlier the Matthew Stafford side of things. It is kind of a, an aging team. Um, we have seen Higby have some moments, but, you know, for an age 30 tight end, it hasn't been, like, completely spectacular. And I'm usually betting on what maybe we haven't seen and we're hoping to see for the likes of a Laporta over Higby. Um, but I, I would rather Laporta and that Lions offense, which I think is going... And again, it sounds weird because we're talking about Jared Goff, who was cast aside by the Rams for Matthew Stafford but I just think that offense is loading up with a lot of talented players and I think that also I just think he's a very talented tight end so not a case of like I have strong reasons for not wanting to play them but again it's just players in similar ranges that I I like a lot more than than some of the Rams players at their ADPs yeah that makes sense so the one question I have for you sorry is in terms of I've mentioned Baker Mayfield a couple of times where are we looking here in ADP? Just flip it over to the QB. So, so in QB, uh, Mayfield goes around 215. So really, okay. we've I'll, got a good a way, way to go. Okay. So, you know, even That's okay. Trey, Trey Lance goes 20 picks ahead of him. You know, Sam Howell goes ahead of him, who we could always consider if you wanted to. I know Sean's I just, I, I didn't. I didn't, want, I didn't want it to be a case where we... Uh, completely miss out so yeah that's us done a tight end and i think if we can get mayfield a quarterback that's us probably done a quarterback we still are sitting with two running backs or into running back conversation Um, i think so i think we kind of have to look at running back here really because you know we've got eight sorry seven wide receivers so that feels fine um Running back, we are on the clock. There's Devin Singletary, Roshan Johnson, Jerome Ford, Zeke Elliott. They're, they're, the t- they're the two names that I've interested in along with Chuba Hubbard. By ADP, I would be taking one of them, and I'll let you pick which one you want to go for, the rookie or the, 
my my crush, Devin Singletary. Let's go with Devin Singletary because I think the difference... He's, he's been, now, when I say crush, it's kind of like, you know, 2022, 2023. It's more like a, an old flame. But uh, <laughs> at this ADP, I think some. I just want to dip in sometimes and, and get him in there. Well, if you look at, like, you talk about the difference between where Pierce is going in the sixth round down to Singletary in the 14th round, I think it could be very easy to see in even a couple of months, if we start here in training camp reports for Devin Singletary, he's going to run as the 1B rather than the 1 and the 2. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, we saw last year that Damian Pierce ran out of gas down the stretch. And, of course, you know, that's not uncommon for rookies. But if the same happens again and you're telling me that I could get Devin Singletary, who plays against the Titans in Week 15 and Week 17, and we're not expecting the Titans to be a good team, then, yeah, I fully believe that when those games really count, he could possibly pop up with a couple of touchdowns. And, you know, we've now got Jonathan Taylor, Brees Hall, and Devin Singletary. It feels like you know what you're getting out of those three. The, the thing is, well, you know, when we're talking about zero RB, it's not looking for injuries, but injuries do happen as well. But when we look at ADPs, like there's small gap and big, back, big gap, you know, running backs, and there's a big gap in that ADP. And they're kind of the ones that I'm going to be targeting a little bit. Similar with Roshan Johnson, you know, not a lot has to happen for him to get a more of a share in that that backfield. So there's lots of interesting things there, kind of playing the opposite side of the coin. Um, but I, I was a huge Singletary fan, you know, since he came into the NFL. And uh, it just never has fully clicked. There's been flashes, there's been nice runs, there's been good stretches. That team that actually you were talking about um, that came second, it was a Singletary Penny team. And that, that was kind of their golden stretch down the, the playoff stretch of uh, two seasons ago. So we'll see how that plays out this year. But, um, yeah. How hard do you find it to detach yourself from one year to the next with players, with situations changing like that? It's pretty much always to do with ADP. Um, and, and how like, there's some players there that I've mentioned, you know, that I don't want to draft that, but it's basically always ADP unless I'm completely out on the talent or I think that the player is at a point where, you know, the trajectory is a steep slope down the way. Um, so I I don't get very much involved in like, oh, this is just my player for this reason. But what I do yeah. tend to do is I will have my guys and I will draft them heavily. You know, when you're looking at exposures, they will be in the high teens into the 20s when it comes yeah. to draft time. So we're back on the clock. Um, Chuba Hubbard would be where I'd go here. Yep. And I feel like that's the pick you'd make. Uh, so let's just get that. Because a little week 17 correlation with Jacksonville, which we've already got. And just go back to our board. Do we look? I do think we have a few week seven running backs. I think we yeah. might have three out of the four now at this point. <laughs> so uh, over here on the right hand side, you can yeah. see I've got the spike week uh, playoffs for week 17. You've got CD Lamb correlated with Sam Laporta, Brees Hall with Elijah Moore, and then Tuber and Zay Jones, which these are all ones which have fallen naturally to us. We haven't had to chase them, but they're all the little ones which could pay off nicely. Um, so but the, yeah, the, so the part I mentioned was week seven. So we have Hubbard, oh, Singletary, so, and oh, yeah. uh, Brees Hall. So yeah. we were talking earlier about the running backs. We'll see how it plays out, but that might be something that tilts you into an extra running back. But the yeah. other part is is I would just potentially take the hit on it that week as well rather than chase after it with another position if we're happy enough. So, uh, yeah, just there's a few like running backs who go later who I don't mind. We, we just don't want any more week uh, seven running backs. Yeah, that's definitely going to be the case. So we're a couple of picks away now. We're at a one four seven three build. We've got CeeDee Lamb, Jonathan Taylor, Brees Hall, TJ Hawkinson, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Jahan Dotson, Elijah Moore, Kirk Cousins, Zay Jones, Cole Komet, Sky Moore, Sam Laporte, Devin Singletary, and Chuba Hubbard. So where do you feel like we go with this pick, Colm? Is there a particular position that's standing out, a particular player towards the top of the list? I think based on what we've done so far, it's kind of best player available, but I would like to see if we can get a wide receiver here. I don't want Chase Claypool. Can you click on the wide receiver? Yep, so there's Richie James, McCall Hardman, oh, Greg Dodge, Josh Downs, Robert Woods. Very ugly. <laughs> yep, so 10 seconds away. Where are we going, Carl? We're in trouble here. Take Chase Claypool. <laughs> I was close to the wire, but yeah, we do go Clay Chase Claypool. No, I didn't. Um, I, I did not want Chase oh, Claypool there, but um, no, that, that's got, a 
That's a flat, flat, flat. We missed it. We got auto drafted. Oh, we got Bryce, Bryce Young. Young. We're which, into a three quarterback building. Uh, I was hoping that Wendell Robinson was going to come back to us, and that kind of threw me off there as we rolled through and we were talking. Yeah, that was a little, uh, little bit. That's okay. That's I think okay. I, I think actually I, I think I would rather have Bryce Young than than Chase Claypool in hindsight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. Even if the Bears are. You know, twenty percent pass happier than they were last year. You're talking uh, about that's all. So like popped pass. up there for. Uh, we just need Bryce Young doing some dump offs to Chuba Hubbard in week seventeen for that. that he's added into that stack for this. That seems. You know, what if that's what you need? Is always the question. So yeah, so we've got four more picks here, and we're at a two four seven three. So depending on what lands to us at running back, we could look there. You know, if. Baker Mayfield was still hanging around. We could go with a three-quarterback build. I don't mind that. I'm not against it, but it's definitely not something I feel like we need anymore. Um, but, yeah, how are you feeling about this draft through 17 rounds? I'm feeling pretty good. I would have preferred to have got a wide receiver there, but then there is no wide receivers there that we could have taken. Uh, so that yeah. was a problem. Um, looking through, it's very, very bare bones. Um, in terms of what is available, even looking down through the options further down as you scroll through. So uh, just look through any deep, deep wide receivers here we want to target that we just want to skip through to get to. Um, there is absolutely nothing. Um, yeah, uh, we're back on the clock now. So yeah, go running back for me. So running back, Chase Brown, Gus Edwards. Uh, I- I'll take uh, Patterson. Patterson, yeah. yeah. Or a Banacanda. I'll let you go Banacanda if you want to. No, no, well, who do you want, a Banacanda? I think we could get both. Potentially, we only want one, and a Banacanda has a week seven by, and we already have Brees Hall. So let's take Patterson. Okay, Patterson's somebody I've not really drafted at all, but it feels like he's definitely going to be on the roster because, you know... There's some conversations, and we hear this every year with players, but there's there's conversations around him being used more yeah. as a wide receiver. And obviously, you know, we've got Patterson, um, and it's not viewing him necessarily as a handcuff to Bijan or Tyler Algier, but what Patterson offers you is an incredible punt returner as well, so he tends to be active on game days, and yeah. we can see him break those long plays, and I think it was uh, Avery Williams, was it, for the... Fa- Elkins, who tore his ACL last week, and he had been their punt returner. So it seems like Patterson, even at age 31, 32, should be a part of the Falcons this year. And I don't know, he's one of those fun players, but at least you enjoy cheering for. The, the challenging part is like they're, they're, that might be a pick that doesn't return much, um, even though you're on a bit of return. But uh, what was interesting there is looking through, I mentioned I haven't drafted Singletary much this year, but we did end up getting into a little bit of a spot there when I mentioned the bye weeks. And the player that I would have liked to draft there was um, the other Bengals running back that was available. I think it was Chase Brown. Is that right? Yeah. 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 And he also had a week seven now. <laughs> so that that would have been my pick. Um, so it was a little bit of a conundrum there as to, to which way to go. And this is always the fun part for people listening and you know live drafting and doing it when you, you know if you're sitting and you're able to flick back and add all your players to the queue it makes it a lot more streamlined but yeah that was a that's a that's a fun pick the other player there that's after being drafted that i would have been interested in there's uh dwayne mcbride but yes uh, definitely he's yeah. kind of moved from the 20th round up towards the 18th round yeah. but it still feels like he's a value um if you're in this draft with us and you're also in the chat tell us how you were feeling about this as we saw start getting towards the end of the draft so we've got a two five seven three uh you know we could take baker mayfield for that book stack if we wanted you know a wide receiver a lot of the same names really mccall hardman robert woods khalil shakir who's an interesting name justin ross alan robinson Devontae parker tim patrick who I have been drafting a little bit of terrace marshall nelson Aguilar. i think i think some of those guys also will, will we take mayfield just to Let's take Mayfield, just because I'll be annoyed if somebody else takes Mayfield. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and it is, yeah. it is for him. It is right around ADP. It's a couple of picks early. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, when the, you get into this range, the ADP, it's you know, you're talking difference between two ten, two seventeen. It's it's much of a nothing, really, isn't it? The the challenge so far is that the one pick that I probably would like to you know change to something else is the young pick. 
and, and that could be that, that that could come back and work for us you know in the long run but the interesting thing is when we look through there's like we joked about oh we didn't joke we tried to draft chase claypool but when we look through those names you know outside of like picking up another running back i think if we hadn't our two running backs that we had earlier in the draft i think we would be looking there at say mcbride or looking at running back ty chandler maybe but because we were looking at wide receiver and, and robinson went that short bit ahead and members went in the round ahead of that it kind of left there, there's not many wide receivers kind of what i'm trying to say that have been drafted since that i actually would want yeah. to have on the the roster here so i mean we were a few picks away but with a three five seven three build already we talked about how you know our active running backs in week seven are going to be Corderell patterson and jonathan taylor um so you know we could grab another running back um there's Juice Vaughn, James Robinson, who's now a free agent, Cream Hunt, Michael Carter, Banacando, which I'm Juice Vaughn does us no good because he's a week seven by. With yeah. a lot of week seven by running backs left, you see that's uh, Zach Evans, Pierre Strong, Matt Breeder, Ronald Jones, which is week seventeen. Um, you know, Kenny McIntosh of the Seahawks, if you go further down, Latavius Murray, who's with the Bills, Michael Hasty. So there are a few in There's terms of wide receiver. Yeah. Robert Woods, Justin Ross, Alan Robinson, Terrace Marshall, Nelson Aguilar, Corey Davis, Dami Brown, Devin Duvernay. You know, it just kind of... I think I probably would rather go wide receiver, but have you any wide receivers that are... On the Not really. Or... I mean, you know, you could make an argument for going Terrace Marshall for the stack, but I haven't really drafted an awful lot of these. I've occasionally drafted Devin Duvernay for Lamar Jackson stacks, but that's about it. Um, any Give us a second. Terrence Marshall here. I'm just doing a quick Google. He's, he's still on the roster. Oh, he's still on the roster. I know I know that amount. But I think, like again, you're looking at players who have chances to make up depth charts, and I think he's right in that mix. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Only 23 as well. Feels yeah, like exactly. Feels like... And, you know, yes, it's a different coaching staff to the one who drafted him and stuff, but it's easy to see how when you're talking about Adam Field and DJ Chark and Mingo, the, the competition yeah, there's a, there's isn't a chance to be crazy. Yeah, and no, I, yeah. I, I'm I'm good with that. Um, interesting. I, I, we're we're well stacked on that Carolina Jags game now. So, yeah, I mean that that could be a fun one. It looks like the kind of game that on paper could be fun. You know, the Jags were really fantastic last year on offense, and as much as Carolina have a decent defense, you never really want to project too much year to year about how they'll play. So. We have through 19 rounds, 3583. Um, looking at running back, that, that really means like we can go anywhere with this last pick. So, I, I'm 100%, kinda... yeah. So, Zach Evans has a week 10 by Kenny McIntosh, Kenny Nwangwu, who's more of a special teams player, but possibly sees the field more often now. The Dalvin Cooks out. Uh, I don't think I could talk myself to, into Chase Edmonds even in a book stack. And then, yeah, it gets pretty grim as we go down here. Trey Sermon, few That's rooms. Not good. Maybe, yeah. Uh, at wide receiver, Nelson Aguilar, who's been making plays of Ravens training camp, Danny Brown, Xavier Hutchinson, Trey Palmer. Show us the running backs there. I can't remember who was at the top of those one running back. It was uh, uh, Zach Evans. Do you want to go Zach Evans or do you? Let's go Zach Evans. I quite often have taken Zach Evans with my last pick and. Yeah, it, it'll give us that kind of possible chance of maybe in week seven when we just need somebody else. That, that's kind of the, that's kind of what we're looking at there, yeah. Yeah, so that is it for us in terms of the draft. We've got a three six eight three build, which is the same build which last year took down the million dollars. We've got CD Lamb, Jonathan Taylor, Brees Hall, TJ Hawkinson, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Jahan Dotson, Elijah Moore, Kirk Cousins. Zay Jones, Cole Komet, Sky Moore, Sam Lapore, Devin Singletary, Chuba Hubbard, Bryce Young, Cordero Patterson, Baker Mayfield, Terrace Marshall, and Zach Evans. In terms of teams, you see we've got Kirk Cousins stacked with Hawkinson, Carolina Young stacked with Hubbard and Marshall, Bucks, Mayfield, Godwin Evans, and then a lot of players just solo. So how do you feel about it, Colm? Happy? I'm pretty happy. I just want to check one thing. Scroll back up to the top again for me. 
just trying to see here i was thinking yeah so the one thing i would have been interested in now in hindsight is um yeah we talked about chris olave i don't think i would have stretched for olave over taylor uh, i was yeah. just looking at the the bucks the potential of you know the bucks against the saints in week 17 but i i, I like to look back and think like what in hindsight would i do this or would i not do it i, I wouldn't do yeah. it um, I think that's more like the kind of stack that I'd be looking at if I was picking like third or fourth. Yeah, yeah. Because if Taylor had been gone, I would have taken Gareth Wilson. And yeah. that would have been it. Like, But uh, yeah, if you're picking in the fourth from say the 104, 105, and those guys are gone, I think it'll be interesting. But then you're not, yeah. you're probably not taking CD Lamb at that point either. So team, team kind of tends to, if it, if it completely skews what the team would look like, it makes it a little bit tricky. But I'm very, very happy with those opening uh, eight rounds, probably nine rounds, even with Kurt Cousins. And then there was some challenges kind of down the stretch, but I, I still think through 13 rounds, pretty happy. The The part that probably cost, caused us a little bit more complications than anything was the running backs on the week seven buys. I, I think it, that, that threw yeah. a little bit of a spanner in the works, I think, um, from what we were able to do, even with that Patterson pick, for example, over Chase Brown. Yeah, perhaps we, instead of Singletary, you know, I know you left it to me to choose through Roshan Johnson and Singletary, and Roshan Johnson, somebody I've drafted in about 20% of my drafts, so I was looking to get a little bit different and go with Singletary, yeah. and perhaps in hindsight, that was one where, considering the bye weeks, it would have made it a lot easier after that point, but yeah, I definitely don't hate it, I think we've got a nice mix of, you know, we've got two absolute stud running backs who could look like complete values, really, you know, a wide receiver. There's a small part of me that is worried about Mike Evans having to play with big Mayfield, um, but I'm a big enough believer in his talent. You know, he's played with quarterbacks who've been difficult for him before. And on Mike Evans again, he fits into... I think he fits more into the Keenan Allen category for me. Like I, I have, a, like I will draft him, whereas I won't draft Mario Cooper. But he also is at a very palatable price. But if it's yeah, like definitely. a one v one Godwin versus Evans, like I'm much, much more in on Godwin than Evans. But I, I just thought at that point it was an interesting thing that we could do for the draft. Yeah. So we're going to wrap things up in a minute. But while you're here, remember we do have a giveaway when we hit 850 subscribers. All you need to do hit the subscribe button. DM me a screenshot on Twitter and we'll get you entered. And we're closing in on 8.50. It will not take long to get there. So, Colm, do you want to tell the people a little bit what you've got going on over Rotoviz and uh, Rotoviz Overtime? Like, for me, it's one of my favorite podcasts. I always try to listen to it. And, you know, I'm in the listener leagues with you because we're always a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, pretty much uh, anything that I'm having usually on my Twitter at Overtime Ireland, but I've tried to not spam it as much with shows I've done. So I, I've started posting less stuff as to what happens. But um Road of His Overtime is the podcast. Myself and Sean Siegel usually three times a week. Well always three times a week, but sometimes even more. This week, for example, I think we have four shows that'll be coming out. So there's lots of stuff to listen, covering all angles of, of fantasy, a lot of dynasty conversation this time of year, a lot of basketball conversation. So I would recommend uh if you would like to hear more of that and you've enjoyed our conversations today head on over and, and subscribe to that and there is the road of his youtube channel i know people will watch this who maybe don't don't want to uh go to a podcast app a lot of the stuff posted over there too at uh, the road of his youtube channel cool yeah and if you've enjoyed hearing me and calm speak you can actually see it in person in london in a few weeks time at the uk ffc We'll be talking best ball there. I think it's the first panel of the day. Very much looking forward to it. Looking forward to speaking to all the great people who are also going to be in attendance. Uh, while you're here on Sunday, I'll be doing a solo show. I'll be talking about some of the keys that got teams to the finals in Deke on DraftKings last year. Next Wednesday, we've got P.O.'s Overzet coming on. After that, we've got a few Let's more go. really good guests coming on. So, do hit subscribe. I know Rich has got some really good stuff for Dynasty content coming soon. If you've been here today, really appreciate you. Michael, Richard, Chris, Josh, thank you very much for checking us out. It means a lot. Hit the like and subscribe buttons, and we'll be back soon.